0: You're listening to Meanwhile, episode 13. In today's episode, we explore the process of learning new things. Whether that's gardening, plumbing, managing, kiteboarding, public speaking, whatever it is you're wanting to learn, we all go through the same four stages of learning. And as we come to understand how these stages work and fit together, we can ultimately be more successful learners. And that's what Michael and I explore today. Let's get going. So, Michael, yes, I hear, I hear you were gardening recently. Is this true? Uh,
1: yes, Michael Terrell, I being Michael Melcher. <laughs> yes, it's spring. Spring, spring has spring come to wrong. New England. <laughs> spring has come to New England. It comes very late here. So the trees are only just now leafing out, and the pollen is only just now clogging my sinuses, which you can hear a little bit. Uh, but recently, I have been doing gardening, or rather preparing for my um, garden season. So, last weekend, I laid down all this weed block fabric, which nice. is critical. Yeah, it's critical because otherwise the weeds will consume everything in like five minutes.
0: Got it. Got it. Going, going green thumb on me,
1: huh? Yeah. And I put down a few cold weather plants, my greens, kale, of course, um, Oh, cl- mustard greens, um, etc. So, these are eaten plants. And um, Got it. <laughs> yes, all very good for you. But one thing I discover when I garden is that even though I look forward to gardening all the time and I define it as something I love, um, I actually kind of hate a lot of aspects of it. It's always dirtier, wetter, more bug-filled, more insect-bothering than I ever expect. My lines are never really straight. No matter how hard I try, I can't get everything kind of attractively lined up. When I buy plants, I'm always just sort of puzzled about what I should plant or what might work or uh-huh. should I challenge myself. Um, and I think uh, it's it tends to be very mundane. So, there's no immediate gratification in gardening, which is actually part of its attraction. But I think another part of it is that I've been doing this for a while and yet... I feel like I should know a lot more than I actually do.
0: Hmm.
1: <laughs> I'm well, not satisfied with my level of uh, skill.
0: Yeah, well, I'm sorry to hear that, man. <laughs> don't, it, uh, don't be sorry. Jesus,
1: don't apologize for my gardening ineptitude.
0: I'm so picture you sitting in mud, you know, with a few tears streaming down your face, and it's just you know, making yes. my heart go out to you. But suck it up. You're yes. right. Suck it up. I'm not
1: sorry. Yeah, I agree. You know, Puritan. It, <laughs> um, Puritan up. I will That's tap into my inner New England. Yankee up. Yank. Uh, people up. don't, yeah, people in these parts of New England don't truck with self pity. But anyway, like, <laughs> <laughs> there's some things I know how to do. Like, I can sort of prune a tree. Um, if I plant bulbs, I know which. Part of the bulb goes up. Uh, I feel go. like not every, not everybody knows that. I, I know. know certain key facts, like that you have to dig up tulips after you they flower because they only flower once; they will not reflower. Many people do not know that. Um, I know how to make a garden out of a straw bale. Really? Uh, yeah, I can do that. Cool. But there are other things I don't know. For example, when you're planting a butcher tree, how? deep are you and why are you supposed to make the hole? And w- what are you supposed to do? Are you supposed to mix like mulch and other stuff in the soil or just it should the tree be slightly above level or below level? Um, I cannot recognize most plants because they're all green when they come up. So I don't know if it's really a flower coming up or a giant weed that I should attack early. <laughs> I certainly don't know how to tell whether my soil is acid or alkaline. And therefore, can I plant something like a blueberry bush or will it just be a complete waste of money and will it die because of me? I don't even yeah. know which way is south. So like certain, they'll say, plant on a, southern, a sunny southern exposure. I, I have no friggin' idea which way is south here. And um, everyone else's garden is better. Every single garden I pass, it's bigger, it's more bountiful, it's like more rectilinear. And I don't know why. Are they better at it? Are they really just pouring tons of toxic chemicals, which I avoid? Um, Do they work harder? Maybe I'm super lazy. I just don't know. So I'm I'm, um, continually frustrated, even though I love this and even though I hate it. And that's yeah. our topic today. <laughs> it is our
0: topic today. Gardening
1: with Michael.
0: <laughs> yes. Ta-da. But
1: what we're really talking about, we planned this, is a much bigger thing called conscious incompetence. Conscious incompetence that? is when you are aware that you're not good at doing
0: something. Yes. Be it gardening, plumbing, skydiving, coaching, leading, relationships. speaking, relationships. Uh, any Anything can sort of we can encounter these moments where we come to the edge of our own competence and go through that experience. Uh, a quick aside, Michael, if you're driving that's, around the neighborhood staring at other people's gardens and just really grinding your teeth at them, I think you should see our episode on career Envy because drop <laughs> some real ris- wisdom in that that may be helpful. Garden. I need some remedial uh, some remedial, <laughs> podcast
1: yeah, I think that's an excellent idea. So, yes, garden envy is so my, very much related to career envy.
0: It is, it is. They're, they're sister sister things. But on this topic of conscious incompetence and the the discomfort that we inevitably encounter when we we're there, that really sits in context of this l- model of learning that we sometimes talk about that we call the four stages of learning. So. Uh, I'll just lay those out really quickly the idea as we go through and we learn new things in life again in almost any category is that our learning progresses through four broad stages so the first is unconscious incompetence so we're blind to whatever we're incompetent to we don't really even know potentially it exists or that it's important and then We transition into the second stage, which is the stage you've just been describing around tree planting, uh, or do I kill this? Is it a weed or is it a flowering plant? Which is uh, conscious incompetence. We become aware of what we don't know, often accompanied with uh, certain amounts of discomfort and uh, occasionally (laughs) self-loathing. Hopefully not too much of that. If we are able to progress through that stage and you know, work hard at it, we can move into this phase of conscious competence where we're much uh, better and more successful at whatever it is we're trying to do, but it requires a lot of conscious energy and focus still. Uh, And then if we continue to practice, practice, practice in that stage of the learning cycle, we ultimately, uh, if we're so lucky, get to move into the last phase, which is unconscious competence, where things seem sort of second nature. They don't require a lot of active thinking or focused attention on our part. This is sort of the state where we experience more flow-like experiences, such as things you've alluded to in past episodes.
1: So today we're going to drill down into the unconscious incompetence stage, but let's first give a few examples of what these look like in real life. So the first level, first step of the ladder is unconscious incompetence. That's when you don't know what you don't know. Uh, One place I've seen this a lot is actually in coaching trainings. So people who like to help people tend to be drawn to coaching and they go to the first training. And uh, coaching is actually a very question-based format where you Uh, your role is to help the person uncover their own goals and answers. But a lot of people walk in thinking that what they're going to do is actually tell the person how to do it um, Mm -hmm. because they give such great advice and they're so great at figuring out how to get from A to Z um, and that's how they're going to help people. So they're actually showing up in a state of unconscious incompetence uh, for what coaching actually is. And one sign of this is that they'll say things like, I've been coaching my whole life, whereas we'll say, "Mm, maybe not. Right. Okay. Stage two: conscious incompetence. Miguel, what's a time when you've had this?
0: Well, something I've been learning the last few years, and I know we've talked a little bit about this, is uh, how to kiteboard, which is you know for those of you who aren't regular kiteboarders, just picture a you know a board, wakeboard style board, strapped to your feet, and a big parachute up in the air about sixty-five feet, ripping you along through the water, simultaneously exhilarating and life-threatening. And uh, you know, there's been a ton. Um, a lot of my time has been spent in this conscious incompetence area as I've started to learn this. You know, w- one example is learning how to actually just ride smoothly in either direction without actually just getting gusted off the water. And you, you know, you, you know this funny thing that happens when you catch the ro- the wind wrong, you just get dragged through about fifty feet of water, just taking it on. Straight to the face. So learning how to distribute my weight and put the kite in the right position to not, uh, not put myself in too much danger. Uh, Did
1: your mother approve of you doing these dangerous things?
0: I do this with my father and my brother. So I try to leave her, Mom, if you're listening, just pretend you didn't hear that bit. You know, All right. it's, it's fine. It's, it's fine. But I spent a lot of time in that category as I've learned how to actually ride, ride this thing. Okay. So then we move up
1: to conscious competence, which is where you've actually gotten good at something, but it requires uh, a lot of uh, focus and attention. And one thing I'm consciously competent at is assembling children's furniture and products. Ah. Uh, So I was never a great one at doing things like putting together IKEA furniture, but um, having twins... I had to pull myself together and learn how to do all this stuff. And we have multiple copies of everything since there are twins. So I have four cribs because there are two houses and uh, two bouncy chairs and two swings and many, many other things, all of which have lots of little pieces. And because they were like little tiny babies, I thought I can't let my children die because of this. I really have to get my act together. But the result (laughs) is that I actually feel fairly confident that I can take a mass market manual that's addressed to millions of people and and figure it out. However, it does, you know, I I definitely have to kind of consciously pull myself together and line up all my little tools and make sure I have the right screwdrivers and I I do count out the little parts as I recommend because I'm not yet you know, yeah. ready to freestyle, but I can I can do it. That's like a huge thing, and I could not have you know done this a
0: few years ago. So that there's been a lot of satisfaction in the growth. Well, and it seems like because I know the boys are just a couple years old, you've gone probably through all three of these stages we've described so far. With yes, to do that. You know, yes, two and a half years ago, you were unconsciously incompetent, probably.
1: Yeah. Well, what's interesting is that I am consciously competent on things like, you know, diaper changing and. All that stuff and feeding Mm -hmm. and all the Mm -hmm. bottle-related stuff. I'm still kind of in the – not quite out of the unconscious competent zone when it comes to things like kids getting sick. Like I don't yet have a handle on is this diarrhea that's gone on for four days just eh, diarrhea, or is my child – dying of giardia or something like that. Um, I I don't really have a grounding, but I'm hoping to keep ascending the ladder.
0: I I have no doubt that you will.
1: (laughs) And then the final stage, fourth and final, is awesome, unconscious competence. So, Michael, what's an area where you're
0: unconsciously competent and don't hold back with false modesty, please? I'm going to brag on with this one. I'm going to brag on. I was having a conversation, actually, with a student of mine on Monday uh, down at the Stanford Business School. And... He was asking me about how I, uh, what's my emotional experience? In this class that we are involved in, and this class is called Touchy Feely. Yeah, interpersonal dynamics, aka Touchy Feely. Hence his very California emotion-based question, and um, because for him and for a lot of the students who are going through this kind of group learning format for the first time, it can be very stressful, very anxiety-producing. You know, have a lot of kind of volatile up and down feelings over the course of the experience. But you know, for me, as I reflected on it, I said, you know. My my pervading feelings are a sense of calm and uh, kind of like I have sort of an interested in or a fundamental curiosity and relatively relaxed. And to me, as I reflected on that, that's very different than how it was five years ago when I started facilitating these groups, uh, these tea groups is what they're called at the beginning. But to me, it's sort of a, a signal that I had really moved into Uh, Unconscious competence with my ability to actually lead and facilitate these groups, you know, that consists the the specific skills are being able to sense and name Effectively other people's emotions or or kind of what's going on in a dynamic of people and yes I think that that is something where most of the time I'm in my um, unconscious competence
1: now and what you illustrate is that there was a tremendous amount of satisfaction in being able to get that fourth stage, and you didn't start there. Uh, You traveled through the other stages, and it might not have been easy getting there. We're really talking about learning, and learning is super wonderful and important, and at the same time, it can be hard.
0: Yes, and I think that particularly as we get older, we tend to, not everyone, but many people tend to, forsake the ability to do learning uh, to instead preserve their sense of, of competence and comfort. And so this is all about exploring how to get back into sort of a learning space and just note the stages you got to go through. So let's jump into it and talk about conscious
1: incompetence. So first off, why is it so hard? Well, it's a drag to be confronted with the fact that you don't know how to do things, that you have an image in your head of how to do it but you can't seem to bring it together, that you've tried really hard, but you're not really making making it work. That compared to other stuff, it's much slower, more boring, harder going,
0: less feedback. Yeah, it's more comfortable to hang out in our competence than it is to hang out in our incompetence, for sure. And yet, to learn something brand new, we have to go through that phase. You know, And in particular, when I think about the, this conscious incompetence bit and kind of getting there initially, we move from being unconsciously incompetent to moving into this this area. You know, we get some bit of feedback from somebody or we um, notice something in our life or in our work for the first time. And followed by the sense of like, oh man, now I've got to really work hard and I'm not going to look good and it's going to be a drag. I'm not, my garden's not going to be near as good as my neighbors for a while. You know, whatever it is. And the, the, the phrase that comes to mind for me, and when, particularly when you see people abandon learning in these early stages, is this idea that ignorance is bliss. You know, when you're when you're unconsciously incompetent, we're sort of blissfully unaware, or ignorant. Somebody could bring a general skill area up to us and be like, oh, yeah, whatever. Not a big deal. But all of a sudden we get that piece of feedback or that's, you know, we have a circumstance in our life change. We have a kid now and they, the kids get sick. We're forced to confront uh, awareness where we formerly had ignorance. And that can be, you know, just a, an uncomfortable process where we find ourselves like cipher in the matrix, for those of you who have seen that. You know just find themselves wishing they could you know plug back into the matrix sometimes and not have to worry with the discomfort that they're now facing
1: the other thing that happens is that we can carry around vague pleasant sounding goals of things we'll do one day, and then when we try them, it can be very disillusioning to see how they actually are so yeah, maybe I think I'd be an amazing ball dancing maybe I'll have like a terrace landscape garden maybe <laughs> I'll learn chinese or or German maybe i'll be an awesome manager. Maybe I'll run for president. That'd be awesome. And as long as you're not doing it, you don't have to deal with any kind of self-criticism. Maybe right. a little, "Oh, how come I'm not writing that book?" But when you're actually doing it, all this stuff comes up and it's sort of disturbing to
0: self-criticize this way. Yeah. <laughs> which yeah. We, which we do. Totally. Yeah, one of my one of my mentors talks about when he talks about the this learning model in particular and the, this this crucial stage that we're honing in on the conscious incompetence is that People's ability to do more learning in their life and to be successful in their progression through these stages really boils down to their ability to increase their comfort with discomfort, which is sort of a meta emotion way to look at it. But this idea that can I grow more chill and okay with being uncomfortable and feeling like i made a mistake or that i don't have it all figured out yet
1: yeah for me the the word uh chill in that is significant because i think that to try to be comfortable where you're not comfortable is pretty hard Mm. but to be chill about it to use the millennial expression um (laughs) means that you just you sort of accept it you okay this is what my experience is now this is what I'm doing right now as I try to plant my collards evenly spaced and it's not working. Okay, yeah. that's where I am. Or I'm practicing the piano again and my back hurts and I'm wondering why I'm not sitting in a position that makes that you know go away, but not really yeah. worrying about it too much. Or, yeah, I'm writing my book and I'm not thinking of anything clever and I'm looking at my words and wondering if they'll really amount to anything. Mm-hmm. But there's a difference between judging that or taking action on that as opposed to just sitting in it and continuing the activity. Right. So, let's talk about ways that people can manage or cope with this. Um, so, one thing you said is just being aware that discomfort can be a sign of growth and and, and acceptance of it or, or resignation to it can actually yeah. be a really good thing. Another thing I found is, going back to a previous episode on focus, the Pomodoro method where you have these 25-minute chunks of focus, hugely beneficial to staying in this learning period. Because when you use that method and you're setting your clock for 25 minutes, you're only going to focus on one thing. You're switching your emphasis from how good is this and will I be pleased with the results and am I now a kind of person who does this to simply the 25 minutes, okay, I can do something for 25 minutes, totally focus on this, and it may get me through. And Mm -hmm. By the way, I've been using, I not only do this podcast, I use its lessons, and I've been using the Pomodoro method more extensively. And I've been seeing results, including on things where I can feel a lot of agita, for example, doing proposals.
0: I'm pumped to hear that. I've got my Pomodoro timer sitting right next to me on my desk as we speak. Something else that people can do to kind of grow this comfort with discomfort is. If we actually look at the, the amount of times we're exposing ourselves to the discomfort. So you can imagine if you just go out and garden once a year and you kind of get to that point where it's like, oh, this is uncomfortable. I don't know how to solve this. I'm going to hang this up until next year versus if we can find it in ourselves to kind of routinely encounter that sense of either embarrassment or discomfort and just and just as we get more reps with it it doesn't mean that it's pleasant and it takes a certain amount of fortitude to throw ourselves back into that but it doesn't become as catastrophic or as demoralizing if we're able to say like yep here it is again oh yeah here's that thing again just have more exposure to that feeling you know that first time we feel embarrassed with something, if we just let it be that one time, it sort of looms over us forever. But if we can put ourselves in scenarios where it's like, oh, this isn't fun, but it's also not the end of the world, I've been here before, can help us start to manage our relationship with the discomfort that comes with being in this phase of learning. If we aim for discomfort, then it's almost satisfying
1: to, to find yeah. it. So yeah. I, I know a woman who says, every day I do something that scares me. Nice. Um, and I don't think she's thinking of physically dangerous things, but things related to growing her business. And I really like that idea. So if you say, every day, I'm going to do something that will be uncomfortable for me. Or every day, I'm going to try to do something where I'll probably get zero positive feedback. Um, mm-hmm. Then you're focused on just doing that activity as opposed to feeling like it should be satisfying and it helps you stay in, in the zone of the conscious incompetence.
0: Yeah. And one of the other interesting things to look at can be, you know, one of our Learning goals, one of the things we're working on, uh, doesn't actually fit neatly into just one of these stages of learning. In fact, we can have pieces or individual skills that are in different stages of this learning process. So let me give you an example. If I have a goal to be a better manager, I may have things that I'm unconsciously incompetent at, which I might not have been aware of until I get some feedback from somebody. Let's say I, until I got feedback last week, I wasn't aware that uh, my like a relentless optimism makes people feel like they can't share their troubles or what's what they're struggling with. But I may then be consciously incompetent of uh, my ability to end meetings on time and how that's you know, a big struggle. I may be consciously competent of my ability to ask kind of powerful open ended questions, see previous episode. <laughs> and I may be uh, unconsciously competent in my um, ability to empathize or uh, my ability to, to, to motivate or recognize somebody's positive contribution if I'm that optimistic manager, whatever it is. And those things can actually be spread out. So we can look at an, a given goal, you know, Michael Melcher as Gardner, and, and sort of chart our skills across these areas with the hope of actually seeing I'm not just stuck fully in conscious incompetence here. I actually have some capabilities across the spectrum and that can, people can kind of draw a sense of uh, resilience and comfort in that, I found. And
1: further, even if we're amazing in something, and we're in that top step of unconscious competence, there could be aspects related to that that would fall into the other three stages. And so we still have the potential for getting better and improving, and that would make us, you know, even more awesome. So I feel like that yeah. we are we are almost pregnant with a homework assignment there.
0: We are, we are. Why don't you so, lay it out? I'll lay it out. So I would encourage folks to take something they're working on. Uh, something they're trying to learn, whether it's, I want to communicate with my team more effectively. I want to be a, uh, better spouse. I want to be more successful at dating. I want to learn how to do plumbing. I want to learn how to plumb. That's right. I'll share a story at some point about. And not when... just
1: plumb the depths of my self-conscious.
0: <laughs> but actually your toilets? Yes. what sort of plumbing? various other valves and pipes. <laughs> you're all but back to you <laughs> all weather yes could be I want to be get better at plumbing and to actually break that down into its component uh, skills or disciplines, and and put find something that you currently do um, that serves that overall goal, but that fits into each one of these four stages of learning. The the stage one unconscious incompetence maybe a little bit harder without some feedback or some real you know stepping back and really thinking outside the box. But just see if you can come up with pieces uh, uh, of your skill set that fit into each of these categories and just sort of notice how that makes you think and feel about this thing you're trying to learn as a result of being able to break it down this way.
1: Okay, and I'm going to add a bonus assignment. Um, That assignment is to think of some activity that you can now do either with unconscious competence or with um, conscious competence or the top two. Uh, Something you do well that you're proud of and look back in time to when you were really struggling at the conscious incompetence stage and kind of talk to that past self and um, (laughs) help that person buck up. So, I'll give an example. (laughs) I'm a very good public speaker in most situations, and I always wanted to be, but I certainly didn't start out that way. As we revealed in an earlier episode, I grew up with a lisp. I spoke super fast. I was extremely nervous in front of crowds. And when I took my first speech and debate class in high school, I was horrified at how distant I was from my dream, um, but I kept hmm. at it and developed. But you know, it's interesting for me to go back and talk to 14 and 15 year old Michael Melcher and um, share with that person what I've learned and, and kind of why it matters to stick mm, with it. Nice.
0: All right, I would love to hear what you would what you would tell him. We can follow. We'll up have a that special extra episode about that. All righty, man. Always lovely to chat. Uh, nice
1: talking to you, Michael Terrell. Until next time.